Do you understand the forces shaping events in the world around you? Do you want to know the answers or just the issues? Do you know the secrets of prosperity economics? Live from Salt Lake City, the free capitalist himself, Rick Kerber. Good morning. This is Free Capitalist Radio. Hope you're having a great morning. I hope you're awake and thinking. If not, wake up. Turn your brain on. Let's talk about the Free Capitalist Project. Let's look at the world as we see it. One of the things we want to do each day is talk about current political events and other topics of the day from the perspective of a capitalist. The question, the question isn't just what's wrong in the world today. The question is, what are we going to do about it? And my advice and our advice here on the Free Capitalist Hour is we're going to suggest you do it based on principles, principles established by the Founding Fathers, principles of capitalism and self-interest. If you understand those principles, prosperity is possible. If you don't understand those principles, despair and frustration is the talk of the day. Well, President Bush now has made it official, second day here into the Judge Alito uh, confirmation debate. There's plenty of people wanting to opine on the topic, and we had briefly mentioned yesterday a little bit about it. One of the things we've got to be very careful about is we need to make sure that we understand all the facts. Ideas have consequences, my friends. How are your ideas working for you? Are you a victim? When you listen to these debates about Judge Alito, does it get you mad? Do you feel like things aren't going your way? Or does it make you happy? Are you glad somebody did something for you? Well, from the capitalist point of view, you need to be self-reliant. You need to get informed. You need to make sure you have the facts, and then you act on the facts. So let's talk about some of the facts related to Judge Alito. It's interesting that there's very little discussion of the facts so far in the media. But here at Free Capitalist Radio, we've done some research. thought we'd tell you a little bit about Judge Alito. First of all, you need to understand that this is not a newcomer to the judicial game. He's 55 years old, and he's been on the Federal Appeals Court. What does that mean? Well, he's been on the Federal Appeals Court for 15 years. For 15 years, Washington has had an opportunity to review the performance of Judge Alito. How did he get on the Federal Appeals Court? Do you know how that happens? Just like getting on the Supreme Court. You're nominated by the President of the United States, and you have to be confirmed by the Senate. It's interesting. Prior to being on this appeals court, um, he had a long, established, non-controversial career. No major red flags. No Democrats or Republican were his enemies. Uh, his current friends and associates say that he is not a strong ideological person. He does not have a strong ideological agenda. And uh, literally, uh, he's got a very clean record. A uh, very normal guy. He attended public school. He attended public high school. Uh, he was a valedictorian of his high school. Uh, he, he did everything you would normally expect of a person who wanted to be successful in the law. He's also been in the United States military. He joined the Army Reserve. Now, what does all this mean? These are facts. They tell you something about the man. He also was a law clerk. He clerked for a very prominent judge in the Northeast who said that literally after having 80 law clerks of all different persuasions, quote, Judge Alito pretty much tops the list. I think he's the brightest member I've ever had in my court. Now, okay, great. What do you do with all that information? Well, you have to understand that now there's a whole different political agenda going on. Now, remember that to be an appeals court judge, Judge Alito had to be confirmed by the Senate, right? So... You might wonder, how did all the senators currently 
expressing their concerns about Judge Alito being a conservative radical, right-wing nomination, how did they judge him when he was put up for his nomination in the Supreme Court or to the uh, Court of Appeals in 1990? You need to understand that he was confirmed by unanimous consent. That means that all of the Republicans and all of the Democrats in the Senate 15 years ago had an opportunity to examine his record and to point out any problems that they thought should be taken notice of, and not one person decided to vote against him. In 15 years, not one senator has made it known that that was a bad confirmation. And so, basically, for 15 years, Judge Alito has done his job, he's done a good job, and he has not been political. So, you should also know that both Democratic senators from New Jersey at the time, Frank Lautenberg and Bill Bradley, both Democrats, again, approved this judge for his current position. They're both Democrats, and Senator Bradley actually said at the time he was pleased to endorse this candidate 100%. Now, it's kind of funny. I was doing some research today, and I was hearing what the talk of the politicians were. And, you know, there's a senator in Vermont who's making a big, big deal about Judge Alito. You know who I'm talking about? Senator Leahy. Senator Leahy said yesterday that he thought that Bush, President Bush, was bowing to extreme factions within the political base to appoint Judge Alito. Here are a few things. He said, according to uh, the Vermont Guardian, I love local news sources. They have a little bit more guts. They can tell you the truth more usually. Uh, he says, here's what uh, Senator Patrick Leahy said, that President Bush's nominee to replace Justice Sandra Day O'Connor is a choice to reward one faction of his party at the risk of dividing the country. Now, is that a fact or is that a conclusion? That's a conclusion. So far, no facts. Senator Leahy continues, this is needlessly provocative nomination. Okay, what's provocative about it? What are the facts? Senator Leahy continues, instead of uniting the country through his choice, the president has chosen to reward one faction of his party at the risk of dividing the country. So here goes Senator Leahy scaring us. We're going to get divided, right? We're obviously united now, but we might get divided. And uh, President Bush is trying to divide us with this judge. And then Senator Leahy says, instead, he should have rewarded the American people. What does that mean? President Bush should reward the American people somehow? Uh, with, how do you reward the American people? Uh, the American people awarded George Bush the White House and expect President Bush to nominate a candidate to the Supreme Court who has an impeccable reputation, which Judge Alito does. But Senator Leahy may be right. Maybe there's something about Judge Alito that would divide America, but there are no facts in his statement, just conclusions. Now, here's the final statement by Judge Alito. Judge Alito, or uh, excuse me, by Senator Leahy on Judge Alito. He said, Judge Alito's record on the bench demonstrates that he would go to great lengths to restrict the authority of Congress. <laughs> the truth comes out. Judge Alito would go to great lengths to restrict the authority of Congress. You mean there's supposed to be some checks and balances in Washington? And then uh, Leahy continues, Judge Alito has set unreasonably high standards. <laughs> so standards shouldn't be too high. I see. Now, he says... Um, all this, but guess what? Fifteen years ago, Senator Leahy was in the Senate. 
and he voted along with his colleagues to confirm Senator Alito, uh, excuse me, Judge Alito, to his current federal appeals court post. If anybody's trying to divide the nation, it sounds like it's Patrick Leahy. What does it mean, by the way, to accuse someone of being part of a political extreme? You see, they make arguments without ever making arguments. Uh, what are the facts? As a capitalist, ideas have consequences, and the most important idea is to get the facts first. Uh, don't let other people swing you around by political rhetoric. So away we go. Away we go. If you'd like to call into the show today, Free Capitalist, we'd love to talk with you. If you're in Salt Lake City, it's 254-5855. In Ogden, it's 670-5855. In Provo, Utah County, it's 470-5855. We'd love to hear from you. If you've got some opinions or some feedback here. Um, one of the things that really surprises me is that Americans just put up with this kind of uh, kind of media sensationalism. Uh, it's not the media, by the way, who has the right to uh, advise and consent uh, to these nominations. It's the Senate. So why doesn't the Senate want to do their job? The Senate says, well, we're going to go slow on this, and we're going to take our time. President Bush has asked that we hurry up and get this judge on the Supreme Court. Well, it looks to me like the reason that the Senate wants to go slow is the longer they have to try this in the media, the more they can switch their constitutional responsibility of advice and consent to the media. And then they don't have to be the bad guys and they don't have to be responsible for their own decisions. Now think about that. Why don't we hold Senator Leahy responsible for his own decision? He voted to confirm Judge Alito 15 years ago. Why aren't we asking him why he did that? Maybe the appeals, uh, uh, the Circuit Court of Appeals wasn't important enough for him to, to scrutinize Judge Alito. Uh, you know, it would be a good question. Nobody's asking that question. Why aren't we asking that question of the other senators who are being so critical? All right. We've got a caller here. looks like Kevin's calling from Utah County. Uh, Kevin, if I get you on the air here, uh, welcome to the Free Capitalist Show. Hello. How you doing? Great. Hey, you know, we talk a lot about capitalism, but I, I want to remind everybody that the very, the very first, one of the very first principles, I think it's the very first one, in the 5,000-year leap is what? Well, I don't have the 5,000-year leap handy. Why don't you inform us? Okay. It's public virtue. Okay. And what is virtue? Well, we'd love to hear your opinion, Kevin. Okay. Virtue is basically the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Okay. One of the biggest problems with our capitalism, especially uh, when we think about free market and dog-eat-dog, is people cannot cannot prosper with capitalism. A nation can't prosper with capitalism unless people have public virtue, which is they each esteem their neighbor as themselves and would do nothing for their own profit that they wouldn't want done into themselves. I see. Interesting. Kevin, are you a socialist? Heavens no. Okay. Um, I, I agree with you. That's, 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 that's the second, that's, that's the law upon, that's the second law that Christ quoted when he was asked, what's the greatest law? Well, he says love God, right? He love says love God. God first and love your neighbor. Well, Kevin, let me love just Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, let me ask you a few questions, and, and let's see if okay. we can't clarify the capitalist position on this. Is it your okay. contention that capitalism is dog-eat-dog, dog, somebody wins and somebody loses? It absolutely is. Well, that is, that is the way it is practiced. I see. Well, um, Kevin, what, what I would suggest that you do, and, and, and I mean this with all sincerity because I was you, 
uh, five years ago when I decided that capitalism was uh, something I was going to give up on. I didn't think you could make I haven't it. Given up on it. I well, haven't oh, given up on oh, capitalism. Hold, hold on I... a second. Uh, let, let me just uh, uh, invite you to read a book. Okay, Adam Smith, The Wealth of Nations. Okay. Now, in this, you'll learn. Here's the definition of capitalism. Okay, very quickly, in a free market, if you and I were to enter into a transaction, and I agree with you, by the way, uh, and, and so did John Adams and, and, and many other of the founding fathers, that we need to be a moral and virtuous people. But, right. but, but, but in capitalism, let me explain something. Let's say that I have a dollar, and you have a candy bar. Okay? And we meet on the bus or wherever we are, and you and I just decide to enter into a free market transaction. Okay, okay. Fair, fair enough so far? No problem. Okay. Now, I'm kind of hungry, and I see that you've got this candy bar, and I offer you a dollar for my candy bar. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, let's just say that for some reason you're not particularly interested in eating that candy bar, and you decide to go ahead and sell me that candy bar for a dollar. Okay. okay. So we do a little exchange, and I give up my dollar for the candy bar, and you give up your candy bar for the dollar. Okay. Now, assuming that there's no coercion or deception, that's a free market transaction, right? That is a free market transaction, and it affects no one else. Okay, so in that situation, let me ask you, Kevin, how much was the candy bar worth to me? A dollar. And how much was the candy bar worth to you? A dollar, I guess. Yeah, Kevin, you don't know it, but you're a socialist. That's Karl Marx's philosophy, and let me explain to you why that is. <laughs> if I have a dollar, and I'm willing to give up that dollar for the candy bar, uh-huh. how much do I value the candy bar? I value it more than the dollar, don't I? I guess you probably did. Because I place more value on having the candy bar than I do on having the dollar bill. So, in other words, I get to give up what I have to get something I think is better. And then vice versa. You thought that the candy bar was worth less than a dollar in that example, or you wouldn't have given it up. Or in other words, you chose to place more value on having the dollar than on having the candy bar. So okay, in that, exa- okay. So, so the exact wrong answer is $1. That's the amount both of us agreed it wasn't worth. But we entered into a transaction, and both of us won. Okay. And so what happens is, when you understand basic principles like this, we can apply it back to the topic at hand. And we'll do that when we come back from this break. Kevin, if you want to hang on there, we'll come back from the break. All right, we're back here with Free Capitals Radio. This is Rick Kerber. We're live in Salt Lake City on KTOC. Salt Lake City, 254-5855. Ogden, 670-5855. Provo and Utah County, 470-5855. I've got Kevin on the phone. Kevin, you still there with me? I still am. All right, now, Kevin, what we were talking about before the break was this exchange of a dollar bill for a candy bar. That's not what they called to talk about, though. Okay, and, and we'll get there, but it's important that we don't teach what capitalism is or isn't in error on the on the air. We need to make sure that you know ideas have consequences. We need to make sure our ideas are correct. And so you and I are just going to keep playing here for a minute, if you're game, and uh, we'll keep exploring this idea and apply it then to the reason why you called, if that's all right. Okay. Okay. Now, um, in this example of the candy bar, we both won because we both got something that we preferred to have. Does that make sense? That's right. Okay, so okay. We, we both profited. So it's not win-lose. Like, the person selling didn't win so that I could lose, or I it, didn't I, buy, I, I didn't, didn't lose say, so that I didn't say win. that they did. Well, you said capitalism was dog-eat-dog, and the implication is that means somebody has oh, to Oh, no, lose. but it can, it can be. Well, it, it, the definition of capitalism logically implies that the only reason that it becomes dog-eat-dog is when there's coercion or deception and at that point, it's not capitalism. 
And that's why the Constitution protects our rights to property and delineates the ways in which we can relate with each other within a very strict construct. Now, it's very important that we understand that because capitalism, if followed properly, right? If, if the true principles of capitalism are followed, we both win. So the first principle of capitalism is not is not virtue, though that may be the first principle of the Founding Fathers, and I'm not arguing with Dr. Skousen at all in his 5,000-year leap, but the first principle of capitalism is self-interest. If we all act based on our own self-interest, with the caveat that we won't lie or deceive, and we won't force others, compel them or coerce them, okay, then the greatest good will be accomplished because both parties entering into any transaction will profit. That's the first principle of capitalism. It's, it's not virtue. Okay. Um, vir virtue is important, and uh, the Founding Fathers said that our Constitution was wholly inadequate for a people who weren't virtuous, so I agree with you, but I just wanted to make sure we were real clear on the princ principle of capitalism. Okay, so what you're talking about, you're not really talking about the principles of freedom, then. You're talking about the principles of capitalism. Well, you, ca you can't have one without the other. Uh, the principles of freedom require, okay, excuse me, the principles of capitalism require that the people have their liberty. So we've got okay. to protect the Constitution of the United States, and we've got to secure the rights of uh, the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of private property rights, in other words, and our life and our liberty. We've got to have those or capitalism is impossible because it becomes socialism, it becomes win-lose, it becomes survival of the fittest, it becomes the interest of the stronger, to quote Plato and Thrasymachus. So define so socialism. Excuse me? Define socialism. Well, Karl Marx is an interesting character. Um, he's not the only socialist, but he was the first to popularize. Karl Marx and Frederick Engels in the mid-1800s were the first to popularize the doctrine, the economic doctrine of socialism. And uh, to define it in terms like we have just mentioned, the first thing is Karl Marx's argument is that profit, profit is inherently evil. And, for example, let's say that I bought that candy bar that we were talking about at the airport and uh, the airport was selling that candy bar for three bucks. Karl Marx would say that the government should step in and regulate the sale of that candy bar because that airport person is taking advantage of my rough situation being at the airport and there are no restaurants around and I'm desperate and you know they probably only paid 50 cents for the candy bar anyway so the government's got to regulate profit. So the first thing is socialists um, believe that profit is bad. It's exploitation by definition. The second thing is that socialists do not believe in private property. So when we get those two things together, we get a lot of force and we get a lot of coercion because you can't own anything. And if it's better for somebody else, the powers that be can just come in and take it and give it to somebody else. And if you have something and you want to freely exchange it, you can't make a profit. Okay, so that's dog eat dog. That's win lose. Okay. Now that, that's a quick primer. Okay, we could go on for a long time. Tell me, tell me why you called. You wanted to talk about Judge Alito a little bit? I, no, I just I would I heard your uh, first program, and I just thought that the people ought to realize that, that really in a free society, if we're going to have capitalism, we have to have, we have to be a moral people on the basis, or it will, it will turn into socialism. No, you, well, it's, it, it's already doing that, isn't it? It I already mean, has for, done. For, for the last 75 years, we've made a socialist gamble, and okay. uh, we, we, we've become less and less self-reliant, and we've given up more and more of our uh, capitalism, because in, in this day and age, if you use the word capitalist, people think it's a bad word. Greedy capitalists. I think um, I think we I think we're more along uh, uh, the fascist type of socialism than we are, you know, uh, what you talked about. I think that that uh, the the government basically is run by the the larger corporations. Oh, which, there you uh, there you go there you go attacking the capitalists again. 
What's that? There you go, attacking the capitalists well, again. Well, we've got what we've got is corporate welfare going on. Well, you know, this that's good rhetoric, Kevin. Kevin, I when you if you read if you read Milton Freeman, he'll tell you that if you try and regulate, then the ones who end end up regulating are the ones who. <laughs> who are supposed to be regulated, and that's exactly what's happened. Well, you know, uh, Kevin, I, I appreciate the call. I, I need to move on to cover some things, and I'm going to keep speaking to this topic as we go on through the show. And please feel free to call back in. Uh, one of the things that's important that you understand is that it's not, um, when, we, when we talk about these terms, uh, fascism and, and, and corporate welfare, and you've got to be careful because if our fundamental ideas aren't accurate, we actually start to think something much different than what we even think we're thinking. Okay, when you read Milton Friedman, Milton Friedman is going to tell you that capitalism is our friend, not our enemy. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. This is Rick Kerber. I am the Free Capitalist. This is Free Capitalist Radio on K Talk, 6:30 a.m. here in Salt Lake City. We're having a little exchange here about uh, what's the definition of socialism and what's the definition of capitalism. We'd started off talking about Judge Alito, but I'd prefer to talk about definitions anytime. You're welcome to call in, by the way. It's 254-5855 in Salt Lake City, 670-5855 in Ogden, 470-5855 in Provo. So we're talking about capitalism, we're talking about socialism. It's important, folks. Ideas have consequences. We've got to make sure ideas are clear. If not, we get deceived all the time. We're going to get back to Senator Leahy's statements here in a minute because what he does after making these accusations with no facts is he then begins to play politics and he starts to distort and twist with no facts and without understanding what his ideas have at their root or core. Um, as American people, we get uh, caught off guard and unsuspectingly uh, we start to get deceived. But before we do that, I've got a call here from Thatcher in Provo. Thatcher says you're 13 years old and uh, you've called in here. You've listened to talk radio. Good for you. What can I do for you? Thatcher, are you there? Well, Thatcher, are you there? Go ahead and give us a call back. Uh, it looked like Thatcher wanted some clarification on the definition of socialism. And uh, in, in the context of the conversation we were having with Kevin, uh, one of the things we talked about is how Karl Marx advocated against private property and against profit. A simple definition of socialism would simply be that a socialist believes in the collective ownership of society's assets. And, and therefore, there is no private property. Socialists believe in collective ownership. Okay, now, you might have heard this dogma before, to each according to his need, from each according to his ability. Meaning we all do everything we can, and then our reward should just be what we need. Uh, that's a socialist dogma, and we can talk more about that at some future time, uh, about why that's so destructive. Well, let's get back to uh, Senator Leahy. Again, ideas do have consequences. Well, what ideas are driving Senator Leahy? He says... Last week, the president succumbed to the partisan pressure from the extreme right wing by withdrawing the nomination of Harriet Myers to the Supreme Court. Okay, just pause. Fact or fiction? It's false. President Bush did not withdraw the nomination of Harriet Myers. Harriet Myers withdrew the nomination herself. Now, I know what some people are going to say. They're going to say, well, of course, she wouldn't have done that without the advice of the president, etc., etc., but the principle of capitalism is we are all responsible to act for ourselves and be responsible for the consequences of our own decisions. So when I read something like that, I say, look, Harriet Myers is a free person. She's able to act for herself. 
She can do anything she'd like, and if she wants to submit her resignation prior, prior to submitting to confirmation hearings, she can do that. See, Senator Leahy distorts this, because underneath, in his own ideas, I don't believe that Senator Leahy believes in the benevolent uh, uh, nature of self-interest uh, and, and doesn't believe that government should be limited to protecting uh, our rights uh, from deception and coercion. And so, uh, other than that, the government really doesn't have much business in our affairs. But Se Senator Leahy, he, he, he has some different ideas. Now, listen to what he says. He goes on, he says, after making that false statement, he says, In doing that, the president allowed his choice to be vetoed by an extreme faction within his party. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, if President Bush wants to withdraw a nomination, uh, he's vetoing his own decision. Again, it's his self-interest. He can do what he chooses. I think it made him look rather weak in the eyes of many, many people. Um, but again, he, he gets to be responsible for that. We can judge his actions, and we vote uh, or, or support him based on our vote or, or the absence of our vote. So uh, now, Senator DeLay goes on. He says, this experience exposed the right-wing litmus test that they insisted be used. Well, what litmus test, litmus test is that? Do you even know what a litmus test is or what a bright line is? See, he's making an argument without making an argument, or he's trying to make an argument. He doesn't really want to be responsible for what his implications are here. What was the litmus test? If you remember, when Harriet Myers was first suggested as the replacement of Justice O'Connor, the Democrats all said they were going to wait and see. They had some concerns and some questions, but they didn't know. They didn't want to come to any conclusions. Well, Senator, My or excuse me, uh, Ms. Myers never went before the Senate. So what do they know about her? What litmus test did she pass or, or not pass? And, and now what litmus test is this senator talking about for this no nomination in Alito? See, he doesn't clarify that. He's just mudslinging here. He says, um, instead, they insist that rather than selecting judges and justices who will be fair and impartial in applying the law, they in fact demand judges who will guarantee the results that they want. Well, you notice there's still no facts here. These are conclusions. Justice Alito has been a judge in the United States for 15 years. And Senator Leahy can't come up with one fact to prove his point. He's just simply coming up with conclusions. Now, I'm not saying if you're a Democrat, you're bad. If you're a Republican, you're good. I'm saying you should be held accountable for your own decisions and your own actions. That's a fundamental tenet of capitalism. This guy needs to be held accountable. He voted to confirm this judge 15 years ago. And if he confirmed a judge that doesn't apply the law properly, uh, why isn't he being held accountable? You see, because if what he's saying is true about Judge Alito, he's indicting his own action in the past. Ideas have consequences, but apparently Senator Leahy's ideas, that his ideas shouldn't be uh, ones he's held accountable for. Well, anyway, he goes on to say, with turmoil engulfing the White House, with no way out of the disastrous and deadly occupation of Iraq, with a worsening federal debt, and with obscenely high profits that continue to pile up for the administration's big oil friends, catering to an extreme wing of one political party, risks removing checks and balances for the majority of Americans. Now, there's so many contradictions here, uh, uh, I don't know where to start. But let's just dive right in. Listen to what he says. With turmoil engulfing the White House. Uh, that's subjective. Some people think there's turmoil, some people don't. Either way, th th there's no real factual basis. He's not, he's not pointing to any particular fact yet. He says, with no way out of the disastrous and deadly occupation of Iraq. See, that's what this is about. 
Senator Leahy's still so mad about Iraq that whatever happens, even if it's about the Supreme Court, okay, he's, he's going to blame it on Iraq. Okay? The worsening of the federal debt. I did a search today uh, on a huge electronic database of all of Senator Leahy's speeches for the last 90 days. I have not once been able to uncover a speech where he was talking about the worsening federal debt. I mean, if he's so concerned about this problem, why isn't he talking about it before Judge Leto? Okay? See, he doesn't, it's just a part of a big, big smear, blurring of the actual real issue. Now he says, with obscenely high profits that continue to pile up for the administration's big oil friends. Well, we'll talk more about that. What are obscenely high profits? Are profits bad? Senator Leahy, are you a socialist? This is Free Capitals Radio. Stay with us. All right, this is Free Capitalist Radio, live in Salt Lake City with K-Talk. We're having a good discussion today about the principles of capitalism. We're also talking about Senator Leahy's critique of the uh, suggested new Supreme Court Justice, Judge Alito. Now, in the last uh, segment, we talked about this quote where Senator Leahy accused President Bush and his big oil friends of having high profits, obscenely high profits, and somehow this is why he uh, appointed Judge Alito or suggested Judge Alito be appointed to the Supreme Court. Now, uh, again, what, what are obscenely high profits and what does this have to do with oil companies? We're going to talk about this. Well, but I want you to just think for a minute. Again, if your brain's not on, I need you to turn it on for a minute. Okay? Not just rhetoric here. Let's talk about some facts. Okay? Did you know what is really happening is that Senator Leahy is jockeying for political power? And some of you might say, well, surprise, surprise. Doesn't he always do that? But did you know that in the United States Constitution, originally, Article 1, okay, Section 3, Paragraph 1, limits the Senate of the United States not to direct election by the people, but originally in our Constitution, the senators were actually elected by the states, by the state legislatures. Why? We don't have time, but I've got quotes here from Madison, Jefferson, uh, Ben Franklin, Sherman, Dickinson, we have about ten quotes, I can't read any of them now, we're a little low on time. All of them said that the reason why this was done is because senators were given a sacred trust to not be political. They didn't want them subject to the whims of the popular sentiment that come and go. These appointments to the Supreme Court, folks, are for life. We should get the facts. But Senator Leahy now we changed this. We've amended the Constitution. In 1913, go, go read it, 17th Amendment, we goofed up. And we made the senators elected by popular vote, just like the House of Representatives. It destroyed the whole idea of two separate houses of Congress, one representing the states and one representing the collective people. Okay? Now we've got two houses that represent the collective people. No wonder we tend towards collectivism. No wonder we tend towards socialism. Because when people are left to their own devices, they're going to act in their own self-interest. And sometimes that self-interest okay, flares up, especially when you've got something like senators like Leahy, and we need to take our time, and we need to wait and be patient and get the facts, which is what the Senate was supposed to do. Okay? Now, uh, that is uh, the constitutional portion of this problem. But what is the economic portion of this problem? Here Senator Leahy is accusing the White House of engaging in dirty tricks or something by catering to, he says, an extreme wing. What makes one an extreme, by the way? What, what is it particularly 
that makes the appointment of Judge Alito extreme, right? What what is it? What's the criteria for extreme? Isn't Patrick Leahy extreme? Okay, right. If extremism was bad, uh, we'd, we'd have a lot of problems because there are a lot of people with extreme points of view. Um, interesting. Well, let's talk about these big profits that he's, he's insinuating are bad here. The Democrats are up to something, and I just want you to be aware of it. You'll, you'll hear it here first on Free Capitalist Radio. Okay, and, and Leahy's not by himself. Schumer is doing the same thing. Just yesterday, uh, Schumer said that we needed to basically tap heating oil. Now, Schumer, Charles Schumer is who I'm talking about. He's a senator, and he's from New York. And he wants President Bush to tap in to our heating oil reserves. Now, now, just so you understand what this is, the United States maintains, maintains a reserve of heating oil for the Northeast. It's about enough heating oil that if we had a catastrophe like the hurricanes that hit down south, there would be enough heating oil for 10 days. Okay, This is not a huge reserve. Nobody's getting hugely wealthy off this. It's about 10 days. Okay, Now, here's what Schumer says. The Bush administration should tap into Northwest heating oil res reserves to hold down rising home heating costs this winter, including a projected 1.2 billion increase in New York City. We need to keep our power. Uh, we need to keep our prices down. And then he goes on to say, with energy prices out of control, we have to help people pay for soaring heating costs this winter. Nobody should have to choose between putting food on the table and heating in their homes. This is where the debate's going to go over the next couple months, folks. President Bush is going to be accused and connected to the Iraq war and the whole oil debate about uh, catering to big profits of the big oil companies, and he's going to pit President Bush and, and the Democrats and, and others against President Bush will pit him against somebody starving because they can't heat their home. Okay? Now, that it doesn't make sense, right? As if when you, when you buy food, you can't buy less food or less heat, but that's another story. Um, the point is, here's the rhetoric. The oil companies are making too much money, and poor people can't heat their homes. This is not true. But, let me tell you, Senator Schumer also said one year ago that the reason we have Northeast heating oil in reserve is in case of a supply disruption or a catastrophe. Okay, that's why he says a year ago we have the reserve. And now he says, well, there hasn't been a catastrophe. There's no shortage of supply, but we've got to keep prices down. Well, let's talk about that. Why is it the government's job to keep prices down? What happens when the government tries to keep prices down? Okay, They're entering into the marketplace, and by force, they're changing the nature of the market. The problem with that is not only will it create huge practical problems in the short term, but in the long term, principles govern. Ideas have consequences. It will make New York City, for example, more and more dependent on Senator Charles Schumer's solution next year if they don't have to come up with a permanent solution this year. Now, some of you might have a soft heart. You don't want anybody to go cold this winter. You know, they don't go cold. Heating oil is not the only way to heat your home. And it's not an either-or. right? You don't either have all your heating or none of your heating. What would you do if your heat bill was too high? Would you stop eating? No, you'd start eating less or less expensive food. Maybe you wouldn't go to McDonald's for lunch. i got to tell you, not long ago I was in downtown Houston, Texas, and I went to a very poor area, one of these areas where a senator could stand up and say the federal government needs to give him money, and one of these areas where there's a high percentage of people on government assistance. I couldn't believe it. In a short drive through the town, very poor part of town, and I was feeling kind of bad about how bad the, the situation was, 
I saw two people on two different occasions, just on a random drive through town, loading big 60-inch or 72-inch color TVs into their government project housing. Now, I think you should have a big TV. I think you should want to be a capitalist or a producer and learn how to produce enough value that you can live and have the finer things of life. But why isn't Senator Leahy or Senator Schumer talking about people might have to give up their big screen TVs to heat their house? Do you think if these people had a choice between pawning or selling their big screen TV and giving up food, they'd choose to give up food? And if they would, there's probably a different program they need to apply for, which is some type of psychological help or counseling. Um, you know, I'm not trying to be rude here, guys, but, but ideas have consequences. And if you think that the way to solve problems is for the government to give people money or for the government to keep people from making money, you're going to be broke your whole life. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you're broke. You've had the same ideas you have now for a long time. How are they working for you? The reason I can be so sharp is that was me. Five years ago, I wanted to blame somebody for all of the problems out there. I didn't want to be accountable for my own worldview. But I'm telling you, I didn't become the free capitalist. And you might ask, why am I a free capitalist? Somebody call in and ask that, I'll tell you. I didn't become a free capitalist by blaming other people, or by asking the government for help, or by telling a victim story. I got educated, and I started to study true financial principles. And once you understand true financial principles, not only do you see the political landscape differently, but you start to live your life differently day by day. Tomorrow, we're going to have a guest on the show who's an economist, and we're going to talk about individuals who we have helped make the conversion to capitalism. I invite you to consider it. We've had people literally in their young 20s and, and then in their late 70s tell us that they wanted to learn the principles of capitalism, and they literally have changed their life, revolutionarily changed their life in less than a year. And it's not just about money. Okay. We've got a caller. Let's talk to Bob in Pocatello. Bob, this is Free Capitalist Radio. Happy to have you on the air. Bob, are you there? More or less. Okay. Bob, how can I help you? Welcome to Free Capitalist Radio. Well, thank you. We, we surely are for capitalism, and we've heard people uh, knock big corporations and the rest of it. But they're in business to stay in business. Bob, I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't time your call right here. We've got to take one more break. Can you hang with me through the break? You betcha. All right. We'll be right back with Bob and Pocatello on the Free Capital Show. We're back. This is Rick Kerber. I am the Free Capitalist. We're talking about the principles of capitalism and how those ideas have consequences. Bob from Pocatello, you still... More or less. All right, Bob. <laughs> Let's hear what you've got to say. Well, I just... Uh... Surely a supporter of a free market system, and and uh, whatever it's what's made that made our country great, and uh, we have to protect it. But at the same time, we have to be very leery of monopoly capitalism, and uh, surely it's happening in the oil industry right now. They, it's well, you can see it back east. All right, Year, years ago, uh, uh, consolidated Edison. Uh, shut their now these these power plants were on the coast, so their affluent was blowing out to sea. All right, wasn't hurting anybody. But anyway, they they moved uh, this this uh, thousands of mega tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of megawatt power generating capability. They put it all over on uh, on uh, bunker oil, which which uh, through uh, hydrogenated cracking could have been made into diesel and whatever. But okay. 
But where are we go? Where are we going with this, Bob? I just want to say that uh, not only do we have enough oil in process to run the country, but essentially these people have given. Money. First thing they did was they they bought up Peabody Coal Company, okay. the pennies on pennies on the dollar after uh, after dropping the, uh, their principal customers. They bought that up. But anyway, uh, they're the ones that give uh, environmentalists money out the back door to. Yeah. Uh, to block uh, offshore drilling, but yeah. I mean we we have plenty of oil in the ground and the rest of it. But there is a point when when the public essentially owns these public lands that the uh, uh, they they give people oil leases on them. Essentially, uh, probably on a I don't I couldn't quote you back exact figure, but I would say pennies on the gallon. Mm-hmm. Essentially, of what he, you know, what they can pull out of there, uh, and essentially that'll go at the uh, at the international market price. But I would suggest. Because this is public oil, and we have plenty of it offshore in Alaska, the north of the uh, north slope of the Brooks Range, offshore, uh, printing in the continental shelf, uh, California, obviously, and and the Gulf, of course, we've developed a lot of it, but but uh, and it can be safely drilled and the rest of it. But right. because it is public property, I believe this: when it is sold in the continental United States, that. Uh, and it should be sold in the continental United States, that you have to have some price control structure because we don't get a hold of the monopoly right now that's uh, uh, driven the price of oil up by curtailing production. They're not in any hurry to put those refineries back online. Well, I mean, uh, billions... I, I hear you, Bob. I hear you, Bob. But here, here are two things that concern me about your statement. Um, when you say I'm all for capitalism, but that that, yes. that, that just runs chills up my spine because it, it, capital, it has ca- capitalism is a principle. Okay, now I'm with you. Uh, We've got to protect ourselves from monopolistic interests. I agree with you 100 percent there. But let's be careful because what happens to a lot of very good people who who support the free market and who are very conservative in nature is they get bamboozled and they don't realize it. Because what happens is the rhetoric starts to sound so good that we abandon the principle, and the well, best the best price control is the best price control right now is the market. You see, just like you said, there is no shortage of oil really, but some people some people um, go ahead and uh, uh, control production or or whatever to manipulate profits, and we've got to address that. But let me just talk to you about the current situation: these windfall profits, okay? The current windfall profits are not bad. They're not because of a monopoly. They're not because of unfair competition. They're not because of the government giving people uh, 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 too much help. Okay, Exxon Mobil, for example, their profits, okay, and the rise in their stock prices is very good for us, and it will help break down a monopoly. Let me explain this to you. And for those of you who who are tempted to say, "I believe in capitalism," but look, what does profit do? Profit attracts other businessmen, other innovators, other investments. You see, back in 1998, the oil companies represented um, a, a huge segment of the S&P 500's value, almost 30% of the strongest 500 companies. Now it's less than 10%. Okay? So in 25 years, the, the oil industry has gotten much smaller in terms of its market potential related to the other businesses that have been growing and developing. So what's happened is people have left the industry. There's not a lot of profit. There's not a lot of uh, reward and incentive. And people haven't been able to, to make a buck. 
Okay, it's just that simple for the average person. But now, with these huge profits, what you're going to see is you're going to see increased investment in these oil companies. You're going to see other people who imitate and innovate. I'll give you an example of a Canadian oil company called Suncor Energy is right now a, a perfect example. Because of the high profits, they're innovating, and they've devised a way to get crude oil from sands that you've never been able to do before. Capitalism is a principle, guys. There are unintended consequences when you violate principle. So I agree with your sentiment. We've got to be careful. But the thing we've got to be careful is make sure we follow true principles. This is Free Capitalist Radio. Thank you. We'll see you tomorrow. KTKK.